there are certain one-hit wonder singers in the pop genre, okay? They are one-hit wonders for a reason. I will not give those names out because I'm not going to do that. But Jordan Bennington is a one-hit wonder. That is it, okay? He is on a cliff and he's heading down, okay? He is declining. He does not look... He doesn't look scary to any opposition, okay? If you're the Vegas Golden Knights, if you're the Colorado Avalanche, if you're the Minnesota Wild, I would look. Be, I would be looking forward to versing Jordan Bennington because guess what? He is someone that does not know how to make a high glove save, okay? I've seen it so much, okay? But man, I couldn't. I could not believe that. Armstrong had the audacity to sign Jordan Bennington to this contract. The St. Louis Blues, if you look at them on paper, they are a Stanley Cup team. Okay? Barbashev. I like Jordan Kyrou. I like him. He's a really young player. Ryan O'Reilly. Hoffman. Jaden Schwartz. Vladimir Tarasenko. All of those guys have championship pedigree within their name. Okay? Bertuzzo, Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Colton Pareko. Those are all good defensemen within this organization. But to call Jordan Bennington a top five goaltender is an insult to the rest of the elite goaltenders within this National Hockey League. It is an insult to call him a top ten. Okay? He is not good any longer. Okay? In fact, I will go on a limb and say Jordan Bennington is a hindrance to the St. Louis Blues success. Okay? If I look at other goaltenders within this National Hockey League, Ethan already named a couple. Andre Veseleski, Marc-Andre Fleury, Semyon Verlamov, Kapil Kankinen, okay? Connor Hellebuck, Jonathan Quick. All of those goaltenders would basically get him, basically beat Jordan Bennington any day of the week, whether if it's Wednesday or if it's Saturday, okay? Any day of the week. But when you compare Bennington to a Marc Andre Fleury, for example, okay? I'm looking at vision, okay? Jordan Bennington does not have vision, okay? He does not have good vision when it comes to deflections, okay? His ability to track the puck, he's just not good at it, okay? Poe checking with the stick. He loves giving second chance shots in front of that goaltending, okay? Timely saves. He doesn't make those timely saves. And I think the one that really gets me, especially against the San Jose Sharks game where he was pulled and basically got in a fight almost with Devin Dubnik, is letting grade C chances in. I am watching that highlight reel. I'm like, really? Really? You let that in? But you can't save other things, but you can't you can't save anything. In a matter of fact, this may be biased, but guess what? I'm going to go on a limb and say Kevin Lankinen has more potential as of right now than Jordy Bennington will ever have in the St. Louis Blues organization. How many Stanley Cups does Kevin Lankinen have? He has none yet, but <laughs> guess what? I think Bennington will enjoy his one, and then he'll never see time on the Blues again. Because guess what? If Billy Husso, I mean, obviously it's his first year developing within that program. He's not terrible. He's promising. If he can be better, guess what? I think Bennington's on his way out the door. Okay? But anyway, we're going to head to break. And when we get back, uh, guess what? It's that time of the year where we give March Madness predictions. We'll be right back. I'd like to report a bear oh, hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. 
Yep, he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update! I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Well, it is March, the best time of year for certain things. Um, Last year for March Madness, I bet there were tears that were coming down people's face that are big fans of March Madness because that was canceled because of the beginning of COVID-19. But now it's 2021, and we've seen millions of people entering March Madness brackets before Friday's first round. And... Historically, if you guys want a fun fact, nine seeds have won more often than number eight seeds, making the four, uh, making the final four compelling. Okay, a little bit. Okay, so I'm curious what you guys may have eight and nine within this. Um, but Ryan, I'll start with you here. Do you have any first round upsets within this March Madness tournament? Man, that's uh, I have. I think I have too many. Like, I don't know if it's because of a COVID year or what's going on, but I just think this year's tournament's gonna be quite special. I'll just go off and tell you the teams I have. I won't necessarily say why because I do have a lot. But uh, I have Santa Barbara knocking off Creighton. I have Ohio knocking off Virginia. Um, St. Bonaventure knocking off LSU. Georgetown knocking off Colorado. Maryland knocking off UConn. Winthrop dethroning Villanova. Um, and there's, I think I have one more Oregon State and Tennessee and Rutgers over Clemson I would choose Liberty over Oklahoma State but I just can't go against Kate Cunningham he's too good Ethan you are lucky because you are talking about or talking to a guy that has not missed a game of college basketball uh, since week one I have been paying absolutely way too much attention I have covered all the AP polls so let's just say I know a little bit about college basketball headed into this. So, um, and there, there's a few statements I agree with, uh, Ryan, a few I don't. I'll just talk about some of the ones that I have uh, the most pride in, and one of them happens to be the hottest team out of the Big South in Winthrop. I know you mentioned them earlier. Uh, I, this one needs to be mentioned because I believe they're a Sweet 16 team, this team, they're a 12 seed. Uh, Villanova, they have struggled with injuries with Colin Gillespie, uh, and they ended up losing to Georgetown in the second round. Uh, they've lost three of their last four games, including one of them to uh, my Butler Bulldogs as I go there. Uh, and uh, I mean, I know Jay Wright might have a trick up his sleeve, but I feel like Winthrop won't be phased and, because their three-point shooting is absolutely deadly. They're third in the nation in the, from the three. So Winthrop, uh, book book it. Uh, I have uh, one of my uh, other – I mean, you know you say the nine seeds are always uh, – better than the eight seeds, but I really think I have another bold choice. And I think this LSU team might be able to not only knock off the St. Bonaventure, uh, or the St. Bonaventure Bonnies, but I also think they can knock off Michigan in the next round because they got a team, got a player named Cameron Thomas that, uh, you SEC people probably know too well. Uh, uh, he's fourth in the nation in points per game and 22.6 points per game. Uh, if anybody who watches college basketball too, this guy reminds me of a guy with the name Fletcher McGee or Carson Edwards, because this guy has limited range, unlimited range, uh, Dude cannot miss from anywhere, and they were only like inches away from winning the SEC conference this year. Just barely missed the final shot as Alabama was able to take it. So I think LSU's got a huge potential. My biggest upset, this one's a little bit more bolder, I think, but I actually have Colgate over Arkansas, 14 over three. 
Uh, the Patriot League legends. Uh, this team has four players in double digits. Uh, Jordan Burns, absolute beast, averaging 17 points per game, 4.4 rebounds per game, and 5.4 assists per game. Um, they have a player named Jalen Ferguson who's shooting above 50% from three, which is unbelievable. And they're second in the entire nation in points per game with 86.3. Uh, this team is like just a scoring machine, and when they get going, there's nobody going to be stopping them. I know, and uh, I know Arkansas is a pretty good team as well. They're seventh in points per game in the nation, but they haven't had as much experience. And I mean, this is the highest seed they've been in since 1995. But I love Arkansas. I just think they there's a slight chance or a sneaky chance this Colgate King could uh, sneak under people's radars and go off and knock Arkansas. All right. Well. I actually happen to agree with you on Colgate versus Arkansas. I really do. I think Colgate will upset Arkansas. Not Colgate the toothpaste, okay? Colgate <laughs> the team, okay? Now, this pick, I think it has to do better. I think it has to do more with the better seeding teams struggling, okay? Arkansas, yeah, they're thriving. They've won nine in a row, but they I didn't like the way they fell to LSU in the SEC tournament. I didn't like that, personally. Now, I think it has to do with the fact with my personal prediction with Colgate upsetting Arkansas. I think it has to do with being more being an underrated team and that they're more poised to be like a more of a Cinderella story in this March Madness. I'm not saying they're advancing, but I'm saying that they're going to be able to pull this off upset up, okay? They have had a very bizarre regular season, okay? They played three teams four different times. Okay, so that's a little bizarre. And that also having to do that, you have to adjust your playing style every time you verse them because they have film on you and they know what to anticipate. Okay, it's nothing new here. But uh, Coach Matt Langle, okay, this guy has a team that ranks second nationally in offense, okay, with 86 points per game. And guess what? That's only against Gonzaga, okay? So, got to take that into consideration. They shoot 50% from the floor and is second in the country in assists to turnover ratio. So, I can see this actually happening because what I like about this team the most is seeing Jordan uh, Burns, okay? Jordan Burns is a good guy, okay? 17 points a game and four point, and uh, about four and a half assists per game. So counting out Colgate isn't something I can do quite yet. That's why I'm upsetting Arkansas here. But I'm going to say I think my biggest one, this is a really bold prediction, I have Michigan State on Friday upsetting UCLA and then upsetting BYU, okay? Why? Okay, consider the fact that the Spartans, that they beat number one seeds in Illinois and Michigan in the last three weeks. Last time I checked, those teams aren't scrubs. And that's evidence of how good Coach uh, Tom Izzo's squad can be when it plays up to its potential. There is a reason why Michigan is on the bubble and facing UCLA in playoff games, okay? We've seen they've not had the best season this year. We know that. But guess what? They could do it now because I've never counted Michigan State out, and it's always paid off for me somehow. I don't know. But I think these matchups actually favor the Spartans, okay? As of right now, Michigan State, they are playing better than UCLA, okay? And obviously, when you're doing that, who actually, UCLA, I'm sorry, they have actually lost its last four, okay? They've lost their last four, and it seems like they're trending backwards in a little bit. So that makes me a little suspicious, okay? And then BYU, the second-place finisher to Gonzaga, okay? 
I feel like Michigan State can rely on its athleticism to basically throw BYU out of their offensive rhythm, okay? So this was a very interesting pick of mine. Do I regret it as of at the moment? I do not. But we already talked about this one is uh, Winthrop against Villanova. I have them upsetting Villanova. And apparently... There have been 50 upsets by number two seeds since 1985. So that's a bit interesting. I think that's kind of interesting. And that's not the reason why I'm picking them. It's because... Ethan said it. I think Ryan, you said it too. There, uh, Villanova is extremely susceptible after losing to uh, after losing top player uh, Colin Gillespie. Okay, that guy's a very good player, and that's definitely going to damage your depth a little bit. However, it's not just that that gets me. I think that Coach Wright, he his team has sort of a scattered identity at the worst possible time of the year, and it definitely showed in that upset uh, loss to Georgetown. That was not a pretty game. Okay. And this is a perfect storm for Winthrop here because this has Cinderella started running all over it, okay? We've seen Loyola Chicago do it a couple of years ago. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Winthrop doing it, okay? Think about it. They're 23-1, and one, okay? This isn't some team that's some scrub team, and they're just here to lose a game. No, they're here to win a couple of games because that's how good they are, okay? Um, I don't know if you guys mentioned his name, but uh, Chandler Vaudrin, okay? This guy, 12, uh, 12, point game, uh, 12, point, uh, 12 points a game and then seven rebounds per game, okay? This team, in my opinion, has the key ingredients for a pretty big Cinderella story. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I just want to get to my, I wouldn't say Cinderella story, but I do have a, a t- double-digit team in the Sweet 16 as well, and that's no other than the Ohio Bobcats. It's just it's something special about this team. I know they're facing Virginia, and a lot of people are like, oh, they're not going to win because it's Virginia. But Virginia is known to lose to upsetting teams. They lost to UMBC, and I just think, Ohio, they're part of the MAC. They just basically ran through that tournament. There was not even a close game except the two-lane game. But Jason Preston, he's got an amazing story. I think every basketball fan should love his story, what he's done. If you don't know what it is, look it up. But his team is good. He's definitely turning into one of the best point guards in the college uh, level. And, you know, they got Vanderplus. They got Roderick. They got a team that I think could technically go all the way and face Gonzaga in Sweet 16. I, honestly, that's what I think. I think Ohio Bobcats is a team that they need to, that people need to look out for in this tournament. Ethan, what do you think? All right. That's well, oh, go ahead, Ethan. That one, yeah, sorry. That, that one's very hear. bold. I mean, uh, I, I, I do have, I do would absolutely love to see Ohio do it, or Ohio win against Virginia. I just, um, I, I, I actually, I do have them winning as at the moment, but I don't see them getting past Creighton because I think people are writing off Creighton after their loss or their embarrassing loss to Georgetown. I know it was a bad loss, but I really think it was just because Creighton does not match up well against Georgetown. But Creighton's still a very, very good team. They knocked off the UConn team that I also have going very far in that uh, that very wonky East uh, East Division. Because I could say this now, I don't think the one or the two seed is going to be winning that conference or that division. By the way, uh, but <laughs> I have I have Creighton going far. I, I love I like your guys' matchups. I mean. Once again, I said Winthrop is absolutely a Sweet 16 team, and nobody can change my mind. Uh, <laughs> but um, another sneaky matchup that I have that people aren't talking as much about, too, uh, it's, it's, it's not technically a first-round upset, but I, I think it's another second-round upset, too. This one is Oregon against Iowa. Uh, Iowa has been susceptible to uh, losing games by, because 
Uh, they have Luca Garza, who's been pretty much one of the best players in college basketball. I, I will say this. He has been the best player in college basketball. Uh, but uh, they've had issues with consistency as they have had struggles being able to uh, keep continue to have, they are a offense driven or offensively dri- driven team. And as soon as they cannot hit any shots, uh, they're in trouble because their defense is one of the worst in the entire NCAA. Uh, but, and I think because of that, Oregon should be able to match up pretty well with their guy, Will Richardson, when he's in the lineup, the team is absolute downright unstoppable. I mean, Oregon struggled at the start of the season because Richardson was out since he's gotten back. They were able to jump up and actually claim the PAC 12, despite never really being in the top 25, uh, except at the start of the season when, um, when your Mizzou Tigers went and knocked him off. But, uh, I still think, uh, Oregon is going to be able to make a sneaky run here at the, at the bottom of that, uh, at the bottom of the West bracket. So keep on the lookout for them. Yeah. Obviously as the weeks go on, we'll have plenty of March madness coverage to do as, as we all know, March is known for March madness. All right. Um, focusing more on Missouri. Cause after all, we are at the university of Missouri, Columbia. Um, they do verse Oklahoma this Saturday. So Ethan, as the outsider here, I'll start with you. Does Mizzou stand a chance against Oklahoma? I feel like Mizzou is just looking into a mirror right now because I feel like Mizzou and Oklahoma are the exact same team. Both have eight losses in their conferences, which both have been pretty much better. Uh, they both ended up, what is it? They both have three players averaging double digit points and uh, points per game. They both have three top 10 wins overall. I mean, Oklahoma had theirs three in a row where Mizzou's had theirs a little bit more spread out. And I think they're just pretty much a very similar team. Uh, I think Mizzou should be able to have a step up and have a chance. Uh, they have players like Drew Smith, Xavier Pinson, uh, both averaging 14.1 points per game. So being able to get one of the, each of those guys going uh, will be huge for them. Uh, and also Jeremiah Tillman averaging 21 point, uh, points per game and seven rebounds. As he's a huge rebound uh, guy for Mizzou. As he's one of, the, uh, one of the people that need it. My biggest issue is that uh, in, when the, the SEC Big 12 matchup, when they ended up playing, or, or the, the weekend matchup, uh, S, or Mizzou struggled to get past TCU. Uh, I mean, they still ended up winning the game. 102 to 98, but uh, Oklahoma was able to sweep them with absolutely no problem. One of the games they held TCU to 48 or like 43 points. It was, it was very bad for TCU. And if you compare it like that, Oklahoma should be able to absolutely spank them. I mean, Oklahoma's had has been in the Big 12, which the Big 12 has been arguably the best conference in basketball this year, compare right right below the uh, the Big 10, just because the Big 10 has more teams in it. But you could argue that the Big 12 has been a little bit better. But uh, I think that Oklahoma, I know they've had uh, struggle loss-wise here towards the end of the season and similar to Mizzou. Like another reason why they're this similar as Oklahoma's lost five of their last six games, including a really bad loss to Kansas State. And Mizzou is, uh, they're two and two in their last four games. But before that, they were four and four of five, or they ended up losing four or five. So who do I really have winning in this one? I think based on uh, experience, I have to take Oklahoma, but I feel like Mizzou should be able to put up a fight. You know, this is a very hard one because Mizzou, since I remember the, I call it a cliff, okay? Um, You could call it a ravine too. That doesn't matter. But I think the tipping point was the Alabama game, okay? Mizzou led, I believe it was over 20 points going into halftime. I was working that game. I remember and I was talking how high I was talking very highly how good Mizzou was playing that first half and how bad Alabama looked. 
But the tables turned that second half, and then that started to progress as the season transpired. We saw it against Mississippi. Not South Carolina, because they won that game, but Georgia, the first time they played without Tillman. And you could put LSU in there. But it was not promising. This team started the season pretty well. Okay, they beat they beat Oregon. Okay, they beat U of I, which is a number one seed. The last time I checked, they beat Tennessee. So Mizzou has beaten good teams. It's not like they haven't. It's just this team doesn't really have an identity. That's the thing. When you don't have an identity going into the most important part of the year, which is March. It's very hard to win games. Now, I'm not saying that they can't win. I'm saying it's going to it's going to take a whole team effort. What do I mean by that? I mean, Xavier Pinson is going to have to show up, okay? There are some games where he can't be found, okay? Mark Smith needs to be he needs to be um, producing again in terms of points. I mean, there was one game where he played 20 games and didn't score a single point, okay? Kobe Brown has been playing very well these last couple of weeks. I expect him to continue his prowess. And then you've got, obviously, you've got Bugs, who is like one of those X factors that you can have in the floor at your disposal. Drew Smith, obviously, great player. He can shoot the basketball, obviously. And then you've got, obviously, the big man in Jeremiah Tillman at the center, okay? Yes, he's obviously shooting 62% from the field, but free throw line, that is probably the least place you want him. If you're the opposition, you want him at the line, but if you're Mizzou, you do not want him at the line. He's only shooting 52% from the line. But in terms of Oklahoma, Oklahoma's a very good team, okay? I definitely like Reeves. That kid is very good, okay? Austin Reeves, about 18 points a game he averages, shooting about 43% from the field, shooting about 31% from downtown, okay? This team is not bad, okay? They got, they got Harmon. They got Manic. Okay. They got Gibson. A lot of these guys are very good. They know how to play old styles sometimes. But when you're talking about this game, I think of it as an old reunion because they used to be in the same conference a long time ago. Um, but let's just think about this here. Um, the winner of this game is most likely going to verse Gonzaga. So that's a very, 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 very hard feeling. If either if Mizzou happens to win this game, because it would be very hard to come on the air and say, "Yeah, Mizzou stands a chance against Gonzaga." But Ryan, what are your takes on this? So not Norfolk State. Oh, too soon. Okay. Um. <laughs> a- anyways, no. So I think as long as Pinson and Drew Smith, they kind of been our backbone all year. Uh, it's it's kind of what you said, Luke. It's just Pinson needs to show up. He doesn't show up. I, they're in trouble. Now, if Pinson doesn't show up and we get a team effort, there's difference there. The Tigers play really good basketball when they all play together. You, we, uh, we saw that against Georgia, and they actually stood a fighting chance against Arkansas in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. And I think if they come out and play like that, I think they have a chance. I think that I'm, I'm agreeing 100% with, 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 uh, with what Ethan said here is really they're both kind of the same team here in a, in, a, in a sense. It's not really one team's better than the other. Of course, Mizzou is the 9 and Oklahoma is the 8, but does it really matter? Because the winner's going to get Gonzaga, unless there's a 16 over 1. That's not going to happen. There's no way. Um, so, honestly, it's just going to come down to Mark Smith not taking 35 threes behind the line because we know he's not going to make any. He Hopefully, he can figure out how to shoot in this game, but it's really just going to come down to Jeremiah Tillman getting in the paint and uh you know Oklahoma they have they kind of have a kryptonite here because if they foul Tillman and it's a close game Tillman is not good at shooting free throws I don't know why it is but 
it's just, I think it's going to be a close ending, and I'm hopeful for the Tigers, but it's really just, I think it's anyone's game, to be honest. So Oklahoma, let's see, they beat Kansas, they swept West Virginia, and they beat Alabama in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. You know, that's a very, those are very good teams that they beat, okay? The last time I checked, all three of those teams are in this tournament, as a matter of fact. So it's a very scary thought. But if you're gonna if, if you're gonna credit the coach, let's credit the coach, okay? Uh, Lon Kruger, okay? He joins Tubby Smith as one of the two coaches who've led five different programs to the NCAA AA tournament. It's insane. Um, but if I had to choose someone, I'm gonna take Oklahoma in this one because it's just a matter of fact of chemistry on the floor. And as of as late as in Alabama, they don't possess it. All right, well, uh, I'm taking the Tigers. I won't be the odd man out, I guess. Uh, I'm just hopeful. I think that the Tigers can do something against the Sooners. I think they have something to prove, and if they come out and they play like that 13-3 and team they were at the very beginning, beating Illinois and teams like that, they have a shot. Oh, I hope but, they prove me wrong. I really yeah, do. I it hope would be they lovely. prove me wrong. But, it, I, like I said, it doesn't really matter because the winner gets Gonzaga. Ethan, last-minute yeah. thoughts? Um, like I said, I'm taking Oklahoma earlier. Um, Oklahoma's just a little bit more of a superior team, and I like I really, really like them when they when they went on that hot streak where they beat three straight top ten teams for only the third time ever in NCAA history. Uh, it was absolutely electric, and I think it was all in the same week as well. So being it, when it when they get hot, they're deadly. And I know I know Mizzou has been great and all. I think personally, this this might be piss off you guys. I think they were one of the most overrated basketball. Uh, teams in the entire nation during their stretch when they were ranked like top 10 or top 15. I thought they should be nowhere near that. And here they are sitting in an eight seed now after going eight and eight in the SEC. And they've been on a little bit of a low streak. And I know Oklahoma's been on one too, but I think Oklahoma's going to be able to bounce back. But like Ryan said and like Lucas said, we all know one thing is that none of these teams are making it past the uh, second round against Gonzaga. You know, Ethan, if you if you have a problem with the rankings, I'll give you the phone. You could dial AP. Okay, you could definitely cons- you could definitely give them your complaints. Okay, but any <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's head to the MLB. The season opener is not far away from us, as we're about actually over halfway through March. Uh, it's scheduled, the MLB season is scheduled to open its season on April 1st with an American League East division game between the Blue Jays and the New York Yankees at 12.05 p.m. Central Time. But for today's content, we're just going to take a deep dive into the NL Central. Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Do the Milwaukee Brewers have what it takes to win the NL Central? Man, this is a tough question because anytime we get into Central, I gotta devote my love to the Cubs, and I have to talk about a different team that's not Chicago. But yes, they do. The Brewers have a chance of winning the Central, and the MLB, uh, you know, the analysis even put out a, I guess, a pre-regular season standing uh, record, and they actually have the Brewers winning it. And when I first saw, it, I was like, "There's no way," but they've got two of the best relief pitchers in the game in Devin Williams and Josh Hader. And that's just something that the Brewers are really going to be able to rely on this year. They get a full 162. That's not just 60 games. And, you know, they still have, uh, they got Colton Wong for second base. They had Keston Kira and Dan Vogelbach is going to be able to add them power too. So this team's going to be stacked. Uh, it's going to hurt that Ryan Braun, I think is either going to retire. He's saying he might come back, but I don't know. He's, that's up in the air right now, but that's going to hurt them not having him. 
But, you know, I think it's a solid team. I think that if they just score two or three runs a game, I think the relief pitching will be able to back it up. Starting pitching, it needs a little bit of help. They got Brandon Woodruff, might be their best pitcher right now. And obviously, it depends on what Christian Yelich they're going to get. Are they going to get the MVP Yelich? Or are they going to get the uh, the Yelich that just doesn't know what baseball is? So it'll be exciting to see. I think right now Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals will be the top three. Obviously, you can't count the Reds, but the Pirates, we know you can count them out. That there's nothing happening in that organization. So honestly, I think it's anyone's division to win. I I think a lot of people would have the Cardinals, but I don't think Cardinals did much. I know they got Arenado, but. I think it's still anyone's division to win, and I think pitching does win divisions, and I think you got to go with the Brewers here, and that backup crew that they have in that bullpen is just dirty, man. Ethan, what do you think here? Well, it's Vandal Central has just been a weird division. As for, like, last two, three, maybe maybe even four years, it's just been... It, no, nobody really knows who's going to be winning this division headed into it because the teams have been so level, and there's no, like, real leader uh, and once again, here in 2021, we're going to have that same problem as we have our bottom dwellers in the Pirates and the Reds. And then I think it's going to be a three three team race, as usual, with the Cardinals, Cubs and the Brewers. Uh, like I said, like uh, like Ryan said, I saw that uh, they have the Brewers winning in most, in most of their uh, most of their predictions that I've been reading about so far. But I feel like uh, I feel like I, the Brewers do have it in them to be able to do that. Do I think they will? Uh, every single year, the Brewers have all the expectations and they're supposed to be winning and they end up failing. So I don't know if I fully believe in them just yet. They have the, they absolutely have the talent this year with the, like the reliever pitchers, like you said, and, uh, you got Yelich. You just got to make sure he's healthy because he was injured all of last season. And then you got players like hopefully with Ryan Bronze, there's, and also that I had a new addition in Jackie Bradley Jr. They're going to be adding to the team. So I think that this Brewers team has absolutely has a potential and I know, I think at the moment, if I really would say it as a Cubs fan trying to talk about it, and it's rough to say, I think the Brewers do have it in them to win it. And I think I would have them winning it right now because I know our Cubs don't really, I don't know what direction the Cubs are going in. And the Cardinals, I still think are maybe missing one more piece uh, of the puzzle before they are able to become championship worthy and division winning worthy. But I think right now the Brewers have it in them to win it. And I, I believe the Brewers can do it. Please. Not even close. Um, This is not even a question for me. The Cardinals are going to win the division. In fact, it is their division to lose. Okay? The NL Central is terrible. Okay? If you look at the Cardinals roster, not just pitching, okay? Not just pitching, but when you look at that lineup that someone has to verse, you got Paul Goldschmidt. You got... Paul Dewan, you got Nolan Arenado, you got, uh, you got uh, what's his name, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, the 22-year-old who's going to be very promising, and uh, Lane Thomas. I wouldn't want to verse that if I were a pitcher. I wouldn't want to verse that at all. But if we look at the Milwaukee Brewers, let's see. You Lorenzo Kane, he's a very good leadoff person. No question. Keshin Herrera. Very good cleanup person. And then Christian Yelich, obviously. That's three players in the lineup that I would not want to verse. So, sure, you could put an Orlando RC in there. You could put an Omar Navarez in there. Uh, you could put an Avisil Garcia in there. Sure. But the last time I checked, is this team capable of putting together a perfect season, a long season with pitching combined with hitting? The answer to that is no, okay? 
their starting rotation. You already said it, Ryan. Brandon Woodrow and I would say Kerbin Burns are their best two pitchers. Name one other team that they would be starting pitchers. I don't know another one. I really don't. Ever since they le- ever since uh, Zach Davies left that team, they haven't really had that number one prospect in that team. Okay. Yes, they got jo- they got Josh Lindblom. Okay. They got Adrian Hauser. They got Lefty Brian Anderson. Okay. Sure. Those are veterans, though, and they're probably going to be facing hiccups along the way. You got Josh Hader and you got Devin Williams in the back of your bullpen. I understand that. But as the season progresses, what if one gets hurt? Okay? Just imagine if one gets hurt for a long amount of time. How are you going to overcome that adversity? There is nothing in that system that tells me they can do that. Now, when you look at Instead, and also their third base, Travis Shaw, we don't know if he's even going to be back the way he used to be. He was god-awful last season and the season before. He's not that good anymore. I don't know what happened to him. He definitely, just his, his, just his greatness kind of disappeared a little bit. But if I were to look at the St. Louis Cardinals pitching, there's a lot of these pitchers that I wouldn't want to verse. And I think Jack Flaherty's on the top of my list because, whew, this guy can throw flames, okay? He strikes a ton of batters out. You look at their bullpen, I see Gallegos. I don't want to verse him. Gant, Jordan Hicks, Dakota Hudson. These are types of players that you do not want to face coming out of a bullpen because they have basically lasers as arms, okay? But... The Milwaukee Brewers, they have always been that team that is sort of someone's kryptonite, sort of preventing you to get in the playoffs. I will give credit, though, to Craig Council. He is a master at using his entire roster and placing his players in situations that are best suited for their success. There is no question about that. He has done it year in and year out. The thing that gets me is does he have the necessary weapons to win? I don't think he does. This team doesn't really scare me. It's just Christian Yelich is your star player, which no doubt he is. But in short, the the Brewers, they do leave their ego at the door. They don't. They don't really have an ego. Their fans do, but they don't have an ego, okay? They usually take the field as the unit like they're supposed to, and usually when they win, it's a very low-scoring game affair, and that's contributed to pitching. When it comes to hitting, there are some days where they're scoring 10 runs. The next one, you would see one or two. So consistency has definitely been a problem with this squad. I like the addition of Jackie Bradley Jr. from the Boston Red Sox. I think he can make an offensive contribution while playing a game-saving defense in the outfield. I can totally see that. And then obviously you got a shortstop in Orlando Arcia. He basically has a lock on his position because I don't see anyone else taking his position basically from I like Colton Wong, the addition of him. But when you're really talking about a team that can win the NL Central, I don't see anyone passing the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, I guess Easton's not going to say anything. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's as much as you want to say it. I still think the the, the Cardinals are going to be the Cardinals. They're going to suck at the start of the season, and then things are going to go wrong. At uh, or no, things are going to get better for them as they usually do. So right, that's if, every if they, season. Cardinals, that's every so season, it, though. Yes, it's literally every season. So the Cardinals start bad. I'm not gonna jump. I'm not gonna jump to conclusions too quickly. But I just think these brewer, the Brewers need to get out quick. 
and if they want to have some sort of success in this division. But it's literally a toss-up um, at, at this point. As much as you want to say the Cardinals have a absolute clear, they have the talent to do so. I just don't think they will because, it's once again, it's the Cardinals. They don't start off good. So with more games this season, I think it'll be able to spread out things out, allow more teams to uh, find their momentum and be able to last a little bit longer. Should help the should help the uh, the Cardinals because uh, they struggled to be able, they they like their uh, the longer longer season, so they able to be able to last longer. So we'll see though. I think I have I I still have the Brewers, uh, and we'll see where we can go from there. No, right, no, no. My, well, that will conclude the show today. Though, I'm sorry about that, everyone. Um, we'll conclude the show today. Ryan, close out very quick, please. Yeah, if you can't listen to a whole show live, no worries. We upload our podcast on Spotify. Just search around the waves. You can listen to all the episodes whenever you please. We thank Ethan for joining us today. And with that, we will see you around. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Emily. And 